This is Up, the podcast from Union Resources, bringing you friendly chats with theologians about things that matter. We want to serve the church by making resources as freely available as possible. So head over to uniontheology.org for more. Hello and welcome to the Union Podcast. I'm Dan Hames and after a bit of a break we're back with a vengeance here with Emma Scrivener. Emma, thanks so much for being with us. Pleasure. We know of your book, uh, A New Name, which was a kind of spiritual theological autobiography in a way. And uh, now you have a new book out, A New Day, a kind of follow-up in some ways. Um, Tell us what brought you to write this book and what's it all about? Um, I think there were a number of things that that brought me to to write it. Um, When I wrote A New new Name, that was very much... um, in some ways, my my own personal story, my own uh, story of how the Lord is wor- at work in my life, and, and many of the struggles that I've had. As I when I'd written it, I found that um, I wasn't uh, on my own in the way that I had thought at first. Um, lots of people could resonate with different experiences I had, and not just people who like me, um, had issues with, you know, eating or anorexia or anything like that. You know, older people like a, and younger people as well. An older man who came to me and, you know, he was, he'd been in prison and um, had had real struggles with drug addiction and um, this, a completely different life to me. But he said, you know, the, the, the heart issues, the things that are underpinning um, your behaviours, this is something that I can understand. Lots of other people said that as well. And it just got me thinking um, about mental health in general and about the the ways that sometimes we put ca- people into categories of them and us. You know, we say, um, uh, well, Christians are people who, to, uh, to a certain extent, have life sorted, um, and then there are people who don't. And growing up anyway, that was something that I had felt very much that uh, at our youth group, you know, we heard people come and give their testimonies and it was things like I had a stutter, but now I can I can speak. (laughs) You know, I I was uh, I was an alcoholic and then I met Jesus and I haven't I haven't drunk a drop since or um yeah, I, I was anxious all of the time or I was, you know, lonely or I was frightened or I was dealing with any number of things. But then I met Jesus and then instantly I was fixed. And these are great testimonies. Um, they really are. But what I the question it left me with was when you meet Jesus, is this is the expectation then that everything is fine from then on in? Because that hasn't been my own experience and it hasn't been the experience of, of a number of people you know that I that I would chat to particularly in the area of mental health um, and you know things things like depression or self-harm or obsessive compulsive disorder or eating disorders um, anxiety a, lot, a whole range of different things that um, that Christians deal with as well um, so I wanted to look at those and think about what does the gospel say to people like me who aren't suddenly fixed? Um, and how does Jesus speak to us in our darkness? What is the hope that he brings? 
Um, is it that you know we pull our socks up and we're we're suddenly better, um, or is it that you know we've got to live with what we've got to live with, or is it something in between where Jesus makes makes us different people, but in a sense that works out over our whole lives. Mm-hmm. So those were some of the questions that were yeah running around in my head when I sat down to write the book. Mm. So bro- broadly thinking about issues I guess of mental health which is a whole range of uh, of questions or struggles which all of us will perhaps at some point encounter in ourselves or, or people we know and there are lots of self-help books how-to guides out there um, I get the impression yours is is quite different to that though yeah you know in some ways I wish I could say to you this is the best self-help practical guide you will you'll get it's brilliant and I wish I was the person who would write that book but I'm not, and I, you know, um, I think the, those sorts of books are fantastic, but that, that's not really where I'm coming from. There there are, are many chapters, particularly near the end of the book, that look about sort of the practical outworkings of what the gospel means for us in these specific struggles. Um, so there is, a, there is some practical stuff, but really I, I think I wanted to write as someone who really isn't, a fixed person, someone who is messy and someone who has ongoing mental health struggles. You know, I still have days where I feel uh, where, where I struggle with depression or, you know, anxiety or shame or a whole range of different things. Um, and to say, look, it's actually OK to have those. Let's let's walk through them together. Um, but they don't rule us either. There is a hope that Jesus brings in the midst of these um for us so rather than being a sort of a how-to guide from someone who's on the other side and there's lots of you know solutions um i think the conclusion i i've come to is that um i don't have any solutions and in fact most of us don't we, we don't we, we have solutions for um you know the behavioural outworkings of a lot of our issues. But if we want to go right back down to the heart underneath them, our very, what I call our core struggles, then Christ Jesus is the only answer um, because nothing, nothing less than the Son of God can deal with these, with these things. So the book, I guess, it takes us on a, a sort of 24-hour journey from darkness to light. It's like a picture of the Christian life. Um, and starting in the evening, we, we begin when darkness falls and think about how our struggles are the same as those of Adam and Eve. And I'm thinking particularly about issues like hunger, anxiety, control, shame, anger and despair. Um, and these are things that we all face. They're, they're problems that are as old as time, not just those of the mental health uh, diagnosis. And so the book looks at these chains that we have in our hearts, but also the bad choices we make as we try to overcome these things in our own. Um, And at the beginning, we think about how we try to find solutions ourselves. You know, and some of these are more uh, functional than others. So, you know, it's in many ways, it's a much it's a much healthier way of coping would be to overworking, for example, is a better way than um, I say dying of an eating disorder, but neither, but both are, are disordered ways of handling um, handling these struggles. And so the ways that we try to fix them only get us further into the dark. 
And that's why we need Jesus. And as the book travels through uh, from evening into midnight, it's at midnight, the darkest point that we see. We have a savior who enters this darkness, who takes on our hunger, our our anxiety, our control, our shame, our anger, despair to the nth degree. You know, someone who yeah was abandoned by his father on the cross, someone who um, gave up, it was the, the, the Lord of the universe, yet gave up all control, had it stripped away from him willingly. Someone who knew hunger, who thirsted, you know, to death and who was tempted by the devil, uh, taken in, you know, he tells him to make the stones become bread. And uh, on all of these areas, the Lord um, has borne these struggles that we have but a million, billion times more. And it's as we see how he carries these things for us that we are changed in him and that then begins to offer us the way out. That's how we go into uh, the early hours looking at the Saviour and how he, he speaks into our hearts. And then the dawn and the morning and the afternoon, which is thinking about what does it mean for us to step into the light as Christians? What does it mean to be to have new power for our old struggles what does it mean then to share that light with other people yeah i love the idea of journeying through the day and uh, consciously being aware of the different uh, feelings and emotions that our experiences can bring uh, intrigued also by this idea of um of christians who feel they have to wear a mask especially perhaps in church or in social situations with other christians and um, the need to present as somebody who is ever increasing in holiness and maturity who's battling sin who is reigning in life and triumphant over everything that comes against them and um i guess there are some people who see that and think man you know i, I just really need to do better everyone else is way ahead of me in, in terms of all this stuff other people think well christians are just a bunch of hypocrites here because none of this is true and i'm not up for lying like the rest of you are i'm going to leave you all to it and then there's probably a load of other people who just feel despair because they they see that everyone else is apparently so much better than they are and doing so much better spiritually. How do we, how do we deal with that? People who perhaps feel, I don't feel fixed. I'm in a church or a group of friends where everyone seems fixed and I'm the only one who's battling. How do you think we deal with that? Mm. I I really think it, I think it varies. You know, I've... Um... Yeah, I've been at I've been at churches where I find people very unsympathetic and embarrassed, really, by just the the whole idea of mental health problems. But I'm at a church at the moment, which is incredibly loving and has been a, a place of real grace and healing. I think churches are full of hurting people, but they can also be places of hope. Um, but I think even in church, some problems can be more acceptable. Um, than others uh, and it's ironic really because we we have a theology a gospel that says by definition we're people who need a rescue you know we, we're gathered around the savior that's what makes us christians we look to jesus because we're broken and he's he's the doctor who comes for mm. the sick so unless we identify as, as sick and you know in, in the way that he he puts it we're we don't see our need of him but yeah, as you say, um, sometimes it feels like Christians are actually just a bit better than everybody else, that they're all shiny and, and they're all fixed. 
and that even if you had problems before you became a Christian, when that happens, you know, it's almost that you're saved by grace, but then you run the rest of it by yourself. So, you know, Jesus kind of gets you over the starting line, but then you pull up your own socks and you, you know, run, run, run all by yourself. And absolutely, there it, it's vital that we are, um, you know, we're, we want to be more like Jesus and we want to be putting our old self to death. And, you know, there are all sorts of disciplines that help us in that. But the, the Christian the Christian life is about grace from start to finish. The moment you're saved to the whole way through, Jesus carries you. It's not that, you know, um, he does a certain percentage and then you fill in the gaps. Every day, in every moment, we need him. And I, I guess one of the particular struggles, though, with mental health is, I mean, if I break my arm, my friends will rally around. They'll say, look, how did that happen? They'll say, oh, I'm really sorry. How can we help? And there's a set time for recovery. It's obvious what's wrong. And no one says, you know, just think yourself out of this broken leg or your arm or just have more faith. But when I'm struggling with mental health, that's not always the case. You know, I can keep these things hidden. The treatment isn't straightforward. and There's no guarantee that I will be fixed. Um, Christians can be wonderful, but they'll often make judgments. You know, if you pray more, you wouldn't feel like this. If you had more faith, you wouldn't be so stuck. And then the danger of that is when I hear this from other people, I apply it to God as well. I think, you know, I'm too much for God in the church. I, I just can't. This is not a place where I belong. I go away, I wash myself, and then I come back to God mm. instead of, you know, just coming to him for, for that bath. Mm. Thinking a little bit about the response to these issues in the church, um, the book does speak to specific struggles, which some people listening will be able to identify with hunger, shame, fear, anxiety, and so on. Um, but there will also be people listening who think, you know, at the moment for me, life is okay. Um, these things aren't really happening in my own experience. Is this a book for people like that too? Very much, very much. Um, I mean, I'm going to say it, aren't I? You could say, is this a book for cheese lovers? And I'll say, yeah, <laughs> but actually it is. Um, it, I've written in the in the forward, I say, look, it's written for those who are, are struggling themselves and feel there's no hope, but it's just as important for those who think I don't need, you know, I don't need fixing or who, who know someone who is broken. And even if we don't feel ourselves like we're struggling, then we know someone who is you know it's one in four people struggle with a mental health issue but even beyond that the, I, I guess the message of the book is when we go back to Adam and Eve in the garden we see there that the things that they struggle with um their hunger their anxiety their shame their despair their control you know these are these are central to the human experience these are part of what it means to be human since the fall and you know I might say um Let's take something like self-harm. I might say, well, look, I've, I have never self-harmed. That's not part of my experience. I just don't understand. I don't understand why anyone would do that. Um, but if you think about, say, um, yeah, say you come into your own house and you've lost, you've lost your keys, you've misled your car keys again, what's going on in your head when you do that? Because what's going on in my head is something like this. You stupid idiot. You've lost your keys again. Mm. You, you just can't be trusted. Every time you say, you know where you put them and you have them. What, what a moron. Oh, you, you know, on and on and on, beating myself up mentally about stupid things like this. 
Now, that's not the same as making marks on my skin, but it is a form of self-harm yeah. uh, on an emotional level that I'm doing. And I think with with all of these struggles, you know, you may not have an eating disorder, but for example, have you ever eaten when you weren't strictly speaking hungry? Have you ever eaten for a reason that's other than um, you know, the physical need? I don't know, because it's comforting or, yeah. Have you ever felt better about yourself because of the way that you look? And again, I think these are things that everyone can identify with. And then anxiety, anger, who doesn't become angry? It's, you know, we, everybody deals with these things. We might not all have anxiety issues or things that are diagnosed as such, but we all, we can all get in contact with, with, with this. And before Jesus comes for specific mental health struggles, he just comes for humans whose hearts are, um, are distorted. And that is absolutely everybody. And that's the core of the, the gospel message is that we are all absolutely broken. Um, so for those of us who think that we're beyond help, Jesus says, no, 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 you're not. I've come for someone just like you. And for those of us who think that we don't need help, he says, well, you're worse than you think. So, yeah, I think the, the biggest message of the book is not really just about mental health stuff. It's just about our hearts and the ways that we try to deal with life and our own struggles. And also, how do we walk alongside those who have very specific issues too? But before we can walk alongside those with specific issues, I think we need to see the ones that we have in our own hearts. Mm. Because that makes a world of difference, you know. If I'm struggling, I don't want someone coming alongside from a height and patting me and saying, there, there, I'll pull you down some food. I hope you feel a lot better soon. I don't want sympathy. I want a friend. I want someone who is walking alongside and who says, I don't have the same struggles that you do in the same way, but I know what it is to feel these things. And I have my own. And as a friend, let's let's walk together. Let's look together at Christ. Um, mm. And let's, let's carry one another. And a large part of the book talks about this, talks about how do we as churches respond? How do we uh, walk in the light with one another? You know, and the ways in which we are to be a burden to, to one another, regardless of what it is we're struggling with. And yeah, the, the basic premise is that every single one of us need Jesus, needed him to die on the cross didn't just need him to come and make us a little bit shinier, some of us, and, you know, then really do hard work with others. All of us need him to the same depth. And when we see that, then we relate to others with so much more grace and with a completely different attitude than mm. if, you know, if there's them and there's us. And the us is slightly better or slightly more fixed than them. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's very much Yeah. It feels like that old law gospel thing where the word of God comes and it exposes us for what we are and who we are. And then once we've been confronted with that, the Lord pours in his grace and his comfort in the gospel. And um, I guess that goes to the deepest part of us, doesn't it? Um, no matter what the surface issues and behaviours are that will be different for each of us, really that law and gospel word goes to the heart of all that we are for all of us. Mm, I think so. And that is very much that, that is why the book starts off in darkness and moves into the very dark. It starts off by saying, look, you might think you're a certain kind of person, you know, too bad to be helped or too good to need it. But that's why we start with the darkness. We start by saying, 
why is it that Jesus has to come for every one of us? And what is the darkest point of history? What is it he bears for us? What does he have to take on for every single one of us? And as you say, we're, we're, we're killed by the law and then we're raised, you know, as we see how he fulfills the law and as we see his grace at work in us. But we, we need both of them because otherwise it's cheap grace or we're just slain by, by law. Mm. Emma, thank you so much. That's the... Uh the exact realigning perspective that we need all of us every day to remember who we are and remember who the Lord is. Thanks so much for speaking to me. Yeah, thanks so much again for, for giving me the chance to, to ramble at you. <laughs> much appreciated. <laughs>